We are in part six of our Connecting with God series. Here we are in 2020, going through the book of Ephesians in the year of connecting. So we're talking about connecting with God in the first portion of the year. And I entitled today's message, Sharing Secrets. I want to draw your attention to the fill in the blank here with a couple thoughts. Our universe is vast. Our world is complex. Therefore, our questions are infinite, right? I mean, we have so many questions about what in the world is going on. Like, I mean, we look out into the universe and we're like, what is that all about? Well, what's that about? What about my meaning? Does, is there a God? Is he connected to us? I mean, what, what is the meaning of life? We ask all these types of questions. Well, when theologians talk about how to discern the world around us, they use two categories. General revelation and special revelation. Simple terms, general means everybody has access to it. Special means some people have access to it. When they talk about general revelation, what they mean is how does God reveal himself in creation or throughout the universe? Is there a way to just look at what God has made and come to a determination that he is real? Well, yes. So let me just highlight four examples of what we would refer to as general revelation. So for example, if you look out into our universe, I believe that you will understand the first premise, which is that reality is orderly. I don't think anyone's looking out into science and going, man, what a mess, right? I mean, everything is so precise. Well, if, you, if, the, if it was one different in the access point, man, it would, it would ruin all life. Well, if it was one more degree distant from the sun, we couldn't sustain life. Well, if, it, if the eyeball was in a, not in a certain way, and it, right? I mean, everything is so precise. There's no way you just kind of look out and be like, oh, wow, I don't know how that happened, right? It just seems weird to me. So number two, I believe that if you honestly look at it, you will realize there's a creator outside of our system. There's a creator outside of our system. Now, you can call that a force, fine, whatever you want to call it. I'm just saying that something kicked it off, yeah? If everyone's like, well, I believe in the Big Bang. Okay, cool. Who started the Big Bang, right? I mean, somebody said, bang, right? <laughs> so something happened here. I'm not sure what it is, but you can't say something came from nothing. That's not a thing, right? Somebody kicked it off, and it can't be from within this system because... You can't take the stuff from inside the system and create the system. So it's got to be outside the system. All right. Number three, there's right and wrong, good and bad. I'm pretty sure everybody would come to this conclusion there's right and wrong, good and bad if they were honest about it. Because here's what's intriguing. We may disagree on what's right and wrong, good or bad, but very few people can come to the conclusion there is no right or wrong, good or bad. And what's funny is, even if they hang on to it as a theological, excuse me, a theoretical conclusion, they don't act like it, I'll tell you that. Because here's the funny thing, there are some people that are like, yeah, man, everything's relative. There's no right and wrong. I love those people, because I always cut in front of them in line, right? And just be like, hey, whatever, it's relative, bro. Right? And it's like, uh, thank you, I appreciate that. Okay, so when they get mad, I'm just like, be consistent, right? You know, anyway. Number four, I think that if we look at everything, it's very obvious that we are stunningly fragile and physical death faces us all, yeah? I mean, that's, that's kind of the obvious one. All right, now you can look at the same set of facts and not come to the same conclusions. Talks about the beginning of wisdom is fear of God. If God's not in the center, you don't have everything else right. It doesn't make any sense. So for example, we recently on earth lost one of the smartest men in the world. His name was Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking, now if we're going to talk about his brain and my brain, we're not even in the same universe, right? This guy's uber brilliant, right? And I'm just like, dude. So I'm not in any way trying to tell you that we're equal in any way. What I'm telling you is he looked at the same set of figures and came up with something else. He came up with a theory of everything and God's nowhere to be found. So he looked at all this and said, nope, there's no God. Okay, I'm looking at it and I'm like, how in the world can you say that? There has to be a God. So I'm not saying that general revelation is received by everybody. I'm saying it's obvious for everyone to analyze, and they may come to their own conclusions. Now, as you realize, we come to church week in after weekend, 
We go to small groups or missional communities week after week, and we're talking about a bunch of stuff that you didn't just figure out by looking at the horizon. Why do we know all that other stuff? That is called special revelation. One of the most common ways we talk about it is God's word, right? This is special in the sense that you actually have to look at it in order to understand it. So in other words, everyone in the world knows about creation, but only those that are willing to open up the Bible get to know some more of the details. Does that make sense? So if you open up the Bible and you look at God's special revelation, you notice things like this. That creator God we were talking about, yeah, he's known as Yahweh, and he is at least a triune being. Well, we wouldn't have known that just by looking out, right? That's special. We realize that he communicated directly at times with his people. We realize that we have a purpose here as human beings. We realize that there's a more meaningful existence after this one. We learn that God loves us personally. We learn that God visited us personally through the person of Jesus Christ. We learn that Jesus Christ died for the sins of mankind, that some would be saved by him and given eternal life. How in the world do we know that information? Because he told us. He didn't have to tell us. And not everybody knows that. Why? It's a fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. Connection brings revelation. Connection brings revelation. It's always been that way. Think about how Jesus did his ministry here on earth. When he would go out and teach, he would use things called parables. Y'all remember this? Parables are basically uh, fancy stories. So he would say stuff like this. All right, everyone gather up. The kingdom of God is like a man going out and scattering seed. Some of the seed falls on a rocky path. The birds come and steal it and take it away. Some more bounced over on a shallow area, and it sprung up quickly, but the sun burned it out. Some fell on an area where there was thorns and thistles, and as it grew, they choked it out and ruined it. Some fell on good soil, and it soaked down deep in, and it rose up a mighty harvest. Mic drop, he's out. That was it. Now, everyone's like, dang, that sounded important. <laughs> but what does it mean? Well, here's what's intriguing. Jesus didn't tell them. Later on, they go back to the house. Peter and John are like, man, good message, fist pump. All right, awesome. No clue what you're talking about. Want to help us out a little bit? How about a little insider information here? And he's like, oh, yeah, easy. So the guy sowing seed, that's the word of God is the seed going out into people's hearts. Everything that I was just talking about, that's a condition of people's hearts and willingness to hear me. So some, it lands on hard hearts and the enemy just comes and swoops it away. Other one, right, and he goes through the whole process. He only told his disciples that. Only those that got closer and were connected learned the answer. That's special revelation. You see, the more connected you are with God, the more you learn about God's nature and learn about him. Here's the problem with that. There are some people that want to stand super far away and ask God to prove himself. If you stand far away from God, you're never going to get to know him. As a matter of fact, some things are only going to be known the closer you get. That's just how it works. So you don't get to sit back and shout at God and say, prove yourself to me. He's not going to play that game. He's going to say, if you want to know me, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Now, I want to talk that God is downloading massive amounts of information to his people. I'm going to suggest to you that by the time we get done with today, you're going to realize he's been talking to you a lot more than you thought he was going to be talking to you, right? And in order to do that, let's dive into this beautiful book, right? Ephesians chapter 1, would you turn there with me? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. If you need a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you, page 976, 976, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Now, I'm going to read 7 through 10. We're only going to cover the second half of 8 through 10 because we already covered the rest last week. So we're going to start out, and it's going to sound pretty familiar, but then we'll get into some new stuff. Here we go. Here's what it says. In him, in Jesus... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us 
in all wisdom and insight. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. All right, that's a lot of material. Let's zero in on what we're going to cover today. God's grace and his kindness, he poured out to us what? Wisdom and insight. And he made known to us this crazy mystery that for thousands of years, people didn't understand, and he revealed it to us. Then he showed us how he was going to carry out a plan through Jesus to make it all right. That's what you just heard. So we're going to take it piece by piece. Here we go. Let's start with this. He lavished on us in his kindness, wisdom, and insight. Once again, God could have said, it's on a need-to-know basis, you don't need to know, trust me. And we would all be in the dark. I mean, we wouldn't be able to discuss any of this stuff. We're like, what's the meaning of life? I don't know, right? Why are you here? I don't know. Why am I here? I don't know, right? We could have just spent all our time saying, I don't know. But what's intriguing is God in his kindness told us a bunch of stuff. Why? Because he's connective. He's personal. Okay, so what is this whole wisdom and insight thing? Y'all know what wisdom is, right? Um, so wisdom is the ability to connect the dots. That's what wisdom is. If you knew a bunch of facts and then you put them all together and said, this is what I should do, you're talking about wisdom. If you're talking about advice giving, this is wisdom. As a matter of fact, God wants us to know his plan and how the world works so we might live according to his will. So he says... In the Bible, man, you all need to get wisdom. If you don't, if you can't get enough, you just ask me and I'll give it to you. The book of James says, ask for wisdom, I'll give it to all liberally without finding fault. Meaning, man, just ask for it, I'll give it to you. If you have ever opened up the Bible and studied the book of Proverbs, you learn how important wisdom is, right? Okay, cool. How does God download wisdom and insight and revelation to his people. I'm going to tell you at least three categories. You might want to write these down if you're a note taker. The first category is general maturity. General maturity, what do I mean? All of us have the ability to accumulate wisdom. You can read Proverbs. You can read the wisdom literature of Scripture. You can listen to people that are wise and good. You can study all these things. You can learn from life experiences, and you're putting them all into a pack, and you're becoming more and more wise every day. Everybody's supposed to be doing that. That's general maturity. You're growing up because part of the development process is learning there are consequences to actions, right? Well, if I touch the stove, I'm going to burn myself. That's part of development, right? Okay, cool. So the first category is general maturity. But there's another category when God deals with mankind, and I would consider them spiritual gifts. You can write that down, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, I think we've talked about this a lot, but for those of you that are new, let me recap what spiritual gifts are. All of us need to do the things of God. And usually, there's a lot of hard work involved in that. Man, if I want to be wise, I got to really put to it. I got to pay attention. I got to study. I got to let my life be transformed by the reality that I'm learning. But spiritual gifts, other people get to cut in line and they just get it easier, right? That's a spiritual gift. Now, it's like every other spiritual gift, so whatever one you're thinking of, let me, let me share the one that is most displayed out before you in our relationship. Now, I have been, I believe, and I've been, had confirmed by people that I have the gift of preaching and teaching, right? Now, now yeah, yeah, everyone's like, well, that's arrogant. No, 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 let me explain why it's not arrogant. Here's, here's why, because... When I preach and teach, there's two unique things that occur, and that's how I know it's a gift. So the first thing is, do you realize this comes easy to me? That what I do comes easy to me. That's not normal. It's not, oh, he's more intelligent. Uh, that's not the answer. 
it is simply that God's trying to get something done, and so he makes it easier. So do you realize every single believer should be able to share from the word of God? Every single one of you should be able to preach. Every single one of you should be able to open up God's word and tell the truth of what's going on. Everyone has the ability to study. Everybody has the ability to read into it, yeah? So let's say I just pick one of you. You randomly, you're gonna preach today. Okay, and then everyone's like, oh, and they freeze up, right? And this is where like 50% of you just go, ah, and you just fall over, right? Because it's the whole speaking in front of people thing. You're like, no, I'm into the Bible. I'm just, I'm not talking up there, right? Okay, totally normal. And then the rest of you, if I said, if you had to prepare a lesson, it's going to take a certain amount of time. Here's what's crazy. I have to do it every week. And boom, 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 boom. It's easier for me. I cut in line. While everybody else is still working hard to get there, I get to cheat and I get to go faster. That's a spiritual gift. The second thing, the reason why I know it's a spiritual gift is because of your responses to what I'm saying. Here's the funny thing. I hear this all the time. Pastor, you were speaking directly to me. Really? How in the world did I do that? I have no idea what you're talking about, right? Well, I know you were looking at me when you said, oh, really, was I? I wasn't looking at you, right? I, I didn't mean to look at you. That wasn't my goal. I mean, right? And then they're saying, man, I was just talking about that same thing, like right when we were in the car and we were pulling up and all of a sudden you're preaching on it. And, and oh, I was listening in on your car conversation because I have nothing else to do prior to church. Does that make sense? So I don't know how to do any of that. I'm looking at a room of a thousand people and I'm supposed to what, tailor my message to a thousand people? That's not even a thing. So when you say that, what you're, in, what you're highlighting is that God is going, excuse me, Lance, can I take over? I have a conversation I need to have with my people. So dude, you're simply a microphone, that's it. Okay, praise God, that's how you know it's a gift and it's not just you being special, right? <laughs> Okay, so sometimes God has us do the work to gather wisdom. Sometimes he does a spiritual gift on people with wisdom. And then sometimes, the third category, he just anoints. Anointing means that you don't have the gift carrying forward. But for a moment, for a situation, for a special occasion, the Holy Spirit tags you on the shoulder and says, excuse me, can I take this one? Moves you out of the way and does it right through you. Now, I believe that any Christian is automatically on when the Holy Spirit wants to use you. In other words, he can tap you on the shoulder at any moment. Why? Because you are lit up on the inside. When you get saved, your spiritual eternal reality kicks on. When that is alive, there is a direct conduit to heaven so at any moment, God can move right through you. That's every believer, right? So sometimes the Holy Spirit says, hey, I don't have a point man or a point woman in the room right now. Do you mind if I use you? Well, I don't really want, anyway, I'm using you. So then it just kind of moves on and gets it done, right? Okay, that's anointing. Now, in, in the same way, uh, the Bible tells us that there are two predominant categories by which under the title of prophecy that God communicates through his people in a supernatural way. They're called words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Now, depending on what background you come from, if you ever do a spiritual gift inventory, like what are my spiritual gifts? And then you do a little test and you check the little boxes. Whenever you do that, depending on your background, people will explain these very differently. I wanna share my bias with you right up front. I will share the perspective that they are directly supernatural and a little bit weird, right? You're like, well, I don't know, I came from a background where God really doesn't do that kind of stuff. Okay, you're allowed to have that perspective, absolutely. And once again, if that's what you see in scripture and that's between you and the Lord, totally understand. I'm biased. I'm gonna talk about how it's supernatural. Now, I'm gonna suggest that it's way more natural for you than you assume. So let's walk through these two, words of wisdom and words of knowledge. What are they? All right, here we go. I believe that words of wisdom are supernaturally given abilities to connect the dots. 
In other words, it's like knowing advice to give. It's like you know the answer to a question before the question is completed. It's knowing what to do next and how to handle a situation. And you shouldn't know that, right? That's a word of wisdom. I would suggest that the majority of you are operating with this anointing at times or have this gift or God is just using you. Here's why. Here's how it works. Uh, Your friend calls you up on the phone and she says, can we meet for coffee? Sure. You meet for coffee and she, her eyes are puffy. She's been crying a lot. And you're like, uh-oh, what happened? She sits down across the table and says, I'm pregnant. Now you're good enough friends to know that is not the good news that it could have been. Her life has all kinds of issues going on. I don't think dad's gonna be in the picture. You have a bunch of concerns. Now, in your human state, you now say, I love this person, but I am not a trained therapist. She all of a sudden starts downloading to you and she's like, man, I'm scared and all this stuff is happening and you're getting overwhelmed and you're going, I do not know what to do here. You're freaking me out. Inside, your mind is racing and going, I don't know what to say. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I don't. I. And what's interesting is if you were probably smart, you would just shut your mouth and pray for her and let her talk. But no, you had to start talking to her. So all of a sudden, you start out totally normal. Hey, hon, I to- I'm totally with you. I hear your heart and everything, and yeah, I hate that guy too, and right? I mean, you have whatever conversation you have. But you start having a normal conversation, then all of a sudden, somewhere it starts taking a weird turn. You all of a sudden start grabbing scripture, and you're like, hey, you know that Jesus said he would never leave you nor forsake you, and you're never going to be alone. You have to understand. And you start dropping bombs of wisdom. You're like, you do realize that the greatest father ever is God. And any good fathers in this world today are really only stealing it from God. And God is not going anywhere. It doesn't matter whether the dad is here or the dad's not here. God is still present, and he can help you in the... And all of a sudden, you're just like, bam, bam, bam. And you're going, wow, this is crazy. I'm super smart. Then by the time you get done with a conversation, you wish you took notes on you and you would have been so impressed. Raise your hand. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, I thought so. Pretty much everyone. Okay, you're like, yeah, but that was normal. No, it wasn't. You guys, that was supernatural. Yeah, but it didn't feel weird. Awesome. That's kind of how supernatural works. If you think about it too long, it's weird. But if you just roll with it, you're like, oh, no, that was just normal. I just knew the answer. Did you really? Because you're that smart. You didn't know it yesterday, but now you did. Okay, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit moving right through you. Even more so than us trying to seek new gifts with the Lord, what if we even actually just acknowledge the ones he's already operating in? You know what I mean? And we actually gave him credit for what he really does, right? I don't think you and I just have flashes of brilliance. I think that he moves because he said, this young lady needs her heavenly father. So I'm gonna go ahead and use you because you're the current voice box for me and I'm gonna have a personal talk with my daughter. That's what's going on. How amazing is that? So life-giving. All right, what about words of knowledge? Now, words of knowledge are a little bit different because they're not putting the dots together, they're just knowing the facts. So, for example, it's supernaturally given facts about someone else or something else you could never have known. Uh, You just know it and you don't know why. A thought flashes into your mind about them and it just clicks. Pictures come into your mind, images, facts, stories, whatever it is. That when I'm up here sharing, this is kind of how it works, so I'll be sharing some different things, and I'll be like, it's kind of like this, and everyone's like, ooh, that was my life. Whoa, I can't believe Okay, I didn't know that. I'm just sharing what's normal to me, whatever pops into my head, and suddenly it has meaning for you. Why is that? Because that's a Holy Spirit thing. Now, this happens a lot when you pray. So it happens a lot when I pray, so for example, the worship prayer and healing night, every year, 
we do this full blowout prayer time, right, with all these different churches. Well, I always like to pray with a partner. So when I do that, I end up having a couple different people share the night with me. So because it's a really long night and it's very heavy stuff. So like, for example, this last year, I had one of my intercessors, Kim, pray half the night, and then I had one of my assistants, Nicole, pray the other half of the night. So here's how it would kind of work. I'm more focused on the healing part, right? So somebody comes up to me, you come up to me, and you're like, hey, pastor, uh, my leg is completely damaged. Can you pray for me? So I go into healing mode, and I'm starting to pray about healing. They're quiet the whole time. Then all of a sudden, I finish, and then one of them will say, Hey, while Pastor Lance was praying, I kept seeing you as a little girl watching your dad walk out the door. And I'm like, huh? I didn't see that. What are you talking? I was too busy praying about something else. All of a sudden, the person, their eyes get huge and they just start crying. What happened there? They were tracking on something supernatural. They don't know that person. But what the Holy Spirit was doing was saying, listen, I'm about to make this real personal and drops a download because it matters and it means something. The reason why this utilization, because this is where a bunch of people go, dude, if you're, people are really doing this, people are gonna get hurt, people are gonna say the wrong thing. Well, let, let me confirm that for you. Anytime a human's involved, it always has error and messed up sketchy stuff, right? You're like, well, why doesn't God just go direct? Well, he does sometimes, but sometimes he wants to have us connect. But there's always a risk, right? Here's why I think it's so important to keep pursuing it. Because there's two reasons why God does this kind of stuff. One is between you and him. Sometimes he wants you to know that he sees you. And so he gives you a special download and you go, you partnered with me. I, that's awesome, and it feels very connective. Now, sometimes he gives it just to you to pray about and not to say anything. One of the biggest concerns I have when people operate in the prophetic or they operate in words is that they don't always try to use discernment and wisdom with what to say and what not to say and how to say it, and so we end up screwing up the process, right? Um, I've had people say things about, oh, the Lord told me this about you, totally bogus. And I was like, well, that was wrong, right? Okay, so we sift and sort those. But here's the thing. When it is God, it is so powerfully connective to know that you were used by God. But here's the other interesting thing. The other side of that is when you are called to share it with somebody and they know that God sees their pain and they're not all alone. You guys, one of the reasons why Christianity gets a little bit dry and boring is that we don't have very many experiences with him because we don't like walking into any mess. We keep everything clean and ultimately dry and boring. I believe that there is much more exciting things. I believe that in the Bible, these gifts were used all the time. How do I know that? You remember Jesus used all of this. When he taught Remember, everyone kept saying, when you teach, it's not like anybody else. You say something, and it's crazy deep, and all of a sudden, it impacts my life. That's him using wisdom, words of wisdom. But here's the other one. He used words of knowledge. Do you remember when he was calling his disciples, and this one guy brought up Nathaniel? And he's like, now here's a good Israelite. And he's like, how do you know me? And he's like, know you? I saw you under the tree before you arrived. Wait, you were watching me? He automatically knew a download, dropped it in and said, I've been watching you the whole time. That was very personal for Nathaniel. And he went, okay, we're in this together. Jesus did it over and over and over again. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was revealing things to him on a consistent basis. And he was operating in these gifts. All I'm telling you is I believe that God is still talking today, and I believe that we ought to grow up in these things. Is there an area that we really need to be protective about and mature about and discerning about? Absolutely. Don't you dare walk around and go, God told me, God told me, God told me. There's a whole way to handle this, and we, I'm just trying to get it out on the table. We need to grow up in this area because more people would be blessed if we did. Now, 
this is a place where, for most of you, if you're not used to this, you would say, man, I get so many weird things in my head, there's no way I'm saying any of these out loud. Okay, <laughs> now I'm right with you, right? I've already admitted that I have a super bizarre brain and I have really weird stuff that just flashes in there. Sometimes it's from shows I watch, sometimes it's from just something I was talking about earlier in the day. I am not telling you that everything that flashes through your head is God. As a matter of fact, most of what flashes through your head is garbage. But what I'm trying to say is that in the midst of all of that, God is also communicating. Our job is to discern his voice from our voice from the enemy's voice. That's what we do. It's a discernment process. So you can allow God to speak. But here's what's interesting. We assume that because the rest of our thoughts are random, that if it's random, it's probably not God. And let me give you an example. So for me, whenever I'm trying to like, hey, God, I really want to hear something from you, I always get stuff like chipmunk. It's like, what? Well, chipmunk, snow cone. And I'm like, no, that's not right. And the whole time I'm like, that's dumb, that's dumb, that's dumb, right? And I got all kinds of weird stuff flying through my head. Well, not any of that was usable because I was still trying to discern and wait for the voice of the Lord. But just because it's random doesn't mean it's not God. Let me give you an example on why. Let's go back to Jesus' method of communication. When Jesus talked with people, it was weird. And what I mean is that he handled his conversations without a lot of explanation. He kept jumping topics on people, and they seemed like non sequiturs. What he talked about did not tie in with what he said a second ago. So, for example, let me give you this story. Woman at the well. Jesus, sitting by a well, a woman walks up. And he's like, hey, can you get me a drink of water? She's like, you're a dude, I'm a woman, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we don't hang out, why are you talking to me? He's like, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me and I'd give you running water. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) You have running water, but you need me to give you a scoop. I don't really understand what we're talking about. And he's like, hey, go get your husband. I'm sorry, my what? husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. You had five. The one you have right now isn't even your husband. (laughs) Wait, what? Who are you again? What are we talking about? You know what? God wants worshipers in spirit and truth. Okay. Uh, I guess the Messiah will probably help us figure that one out. I'm the Messiah. Like, dang, dude, I can't even track on what we're talking about today. He did the same thing with Nicodemus. Here comes a super wise Jewish leader, sits down with him. I can tell you're a prophet. The stuff you're doing is off the charts. This is amazing. Unless you're born again, there is no eternal life. I'm sorry? You want me to go in my mom's womb again and right back out? That's weird. The spirit, it moves. And it's like wind going through. You can't see where it comes from and where it's going, but you can see the effects of the leaves. Are we still talking about the born again thing or what are we talking about? Okay, no explanation. Just just starts jumping topics, okay? Then one day he's like, hey, followers, come here. Huddle up, huddle up. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me, good. Everyone's like, I'm out, right? Because we're all reading it and we're like, well, that's weird. Like 2,000 years ago, that made sense. No, it didn't. Because everyone walked away and they said, and many did not follow him after that day, right? Because they're like, I don't know what we're saying. Now, here's what I found out. Had he asked me, I would have given him advice. He could have said one line One caveat, and everything would have gone smooth. Here's the line he should have used. I'm about to tell you something spiritually deep. If he would have used that line, every conversation suddenly is normal, right? Hey, woman at the well, I'm about to tell you something spiritually deep. I can give you living water. Whoa, right? Hey, I'm about to tell you something spiritually deep. Go get your husband. I don't have a husband. I know, you've had five. And the one you have right now is not your husband. Oh, wow, that was pretty powerful. You must be a prophet. Hey, you guys, huddle up. I'm about to tell you something really spiritually deep. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part with me. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. All those conversations would go totally different. But he didn't say that. And so they seemed random. Here's my point. 
What if the random thoughts you're getting aren't as random as you think they are? We are just lacking a spiritual mindset to know. Let's say before you received your random thought in your head, God said, hold up, I'm bringing in something spiritual. You would look at it in a different way. We are consistently thinking earthly, worldly thoughts, and so they seem like non sequiturs, random pieces of information, but what if the whole time God's going, if you knew me, you'd understand? Ah. Maybe God's talking to us a lot more than we think he's talking to us. Let's move on. In our missional communities, we're gonna be talking about the idea of communication with God. Like, does any of this stuff ever happen to you? Like, what would that even look like? And man, is that something that we can pursue with the Lord? Or, or is that something we just need to wait for him to kind of tap us on the shoulder? We'll talk about all that. All right, let's go to verse nine. It says that he downloaded all this in his kindness, this wisdom and insight, for what? He made known to us the mystery of his will. What do you mean mystery? I mean, well, people didn't know it, and then they know it. Well, what's the mystery? That God wants a relationship with his people. You go, that's not a mystery. Oh, it was for thousands and thousands of years. You're just looking backwards now, and you know the information. You got insider information. That's the only reason why it's not new to you. Generation after generation after generation after generation after generation had no clue. If you weren't even around the Jewish people, you didn't have a clue. That's the mystery. Who gets to know that? His followers. And to us, it's obvious. God wants a relationship with his people. How's he gonna do that? Well, the verse says, according to his purpose, he's got a plan that he's gonna set forth in Christ, a plan in the fullness of time. Oh, sweet, what's the plan? Jesus. Jesus is gonna do what? He's gonna show up as the son of God and he's gonna die for the sins of the people. What? How do you know that? Insider information. God told you. Interesting concept for me is why did Jesus come when he came, right? I mean, why didn't he come 3,000 years ago? He came 2,000 years ago. Why at that time? You're like, well, Lance, the calendar was counting down from BC and up to AD. <laughs> we made that up later just to let you know, okay? Why then? Well, I'm going to give you four reasons why I think why then. These are just sample reasons because I think it was brilliantly orchestrated. Let me tell you why. Number one, the need for rescue was sufficiently established. What do I mean? I mean, every religion at the time had sufficient time to figure out they weren't getting it done. Let's talk about the Jewish people. They had been doing the Old Testament sacrificial system for thousands of years, and they knew there's no full answer for sin. You're like, well, nah, you brought in your sacrifice. No, that was atonement. That was sweeping the sin under the rug. That wasn't cleaning it. God doesn't want the blood of bulls and goats. We now know that. They didn't know that. God doesn't want more dead animals. He wants better hearts. But we're all broken. We're all sideways. So we keep screwing it up. So for thousands of years, religion tried to have God work its way up, excuse me, man work their way up to God. And it always failed. Here's an interesting thing. If you have an Orthodox Jewish friend right now, Ask them, how is sin permanently removed? They have no answer for you. Why? Because they only know the atonement concept. It's why they're waiting for the Messiah. Without the Messiah, you can't have sin removed. They're waiting for him to come for the first time. We say he already came in Jesus Christ. They don't believe that. So all they have their hopes pinned on is atonement, a covering over, a sweeping under the rug. As a matter of fact, Yom Kippur, the holy day on the calendar, is a symbol of what? Atonement. It's the day of atonement when your sins are covered over because until they have the sacrificial system, even that system doesn't work. It's why there's so many wars in the Middle East because they need to rebuild their temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem that is Muslim controlled and they can't reestablish their sacrificial system in order to even atone for sin. The sufficient need they realize for thousands of years, it's not fixing the problem. And then Jesus showed up and called himself the Lamb of God. 
to be sacrificed for the sin of the world. Number two, the Jews were ready because they were tired of getting beat up. Superpower after superpower after superpower crushed them. By the time Jesus shows up, we're now at the Roman Empire. We've been through the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians, and we've been through all these different heavy hitting, the Greek Empire and Alexander the Great and all this stuff. Now all of a sudden we have the Roman Empire squishing them down, and they just wanted a deliverer. I just want a king to get us out of this. Okay. Number three, the Roman world situation was ripe. What do I mean by that? Never before in the history of mankind was the known world linked by common language and given roads to travel on easy. The Roman road system that was created to get from one side to the other very rapidly and the communication process was so smooth that when Jesus Christ died and rose again and the persecution hit the church, everyone scattered and Christianity spread like wildfire instantaneously. Would have never happened before that. This is where you're like, okay, pastor, I get it. Those are really good points, but they have kind of a leeway. He could have came here or he could have came here. There was a lot of room in there. All right, let's get specific. Daniel's prophecy. What do I mean? Here we go. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, don't turn there, I'm just going to explain it to you. Gabriel, angel of God, comes to him and he says, God's going to send a Messiah, and I'm going to tell you the exact timetable. There will be 77s. Well, I don't know, that sounds complicated. All right. A seven is seven years. Seven years times 70. What is that? Well, I'm not good at math, but I think that's 490 years. All right? In 490 years, the world will be wrapped up and the Messiah will finish what he needs to do. He will be revealed on the 69th week and he will lock everything up in the final seven years. Uh, okay. Like what prophetic clock are we operating off of? The moment Israel is given freedom to rebuild their Jerusalem, clock starts. You want to calculate it out to the day? Great. That's fantastic. It will be 69 sevens. All right. Check this out. In 445 BC, King Artaxerxes of Persia commanded that the Jews could rebuild Jerusalem. What day? March 14th, first day of Nisan in the Jewish calendar. Then 483 years later, Jesus rode into Jerusalem as king of the Jews on April 6th, AD 32, to the day. Are you kidding me? Oh, that's an accident? God called his shot 500 years before it happened, and he will walk in now. You see, this type of prophecy, this type of specific detail demonstrates what? It's not an accident, you guys. And here's the encouragement for your heart. If God can orchestrate world events with empires, I'm pretty sure he can help you run your life. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's go to verse 10. What was it all for? What's the big plan? What's the big mystery? Here you go. It's in one line. To unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. What does he want? He wants his family back. He wants his kids with him. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that when I go, you will come be with me where I am. God is not okay with a disconnected creation. He is not okay with his children far from him. He is not okay with his children being in danger. So he is moving everything to make sure that we're one family again. But it's not just us. You have to remember, there's a whole thing working on with the angels and the heavenly beings. There's a whole thing going on with the underworld and all this stuff, right? And so sure enough, Jesus said, yep, I'm gonna fix it all. In our missional communities, we're going to talk about the fact that, are you a child of God? Are you part of this whole process? That's, that's a conversation we need to have. But here's what's interesting to me. Jesus Christ, in one fell swoop, changed nature, supernature, past, present, future, grave, land, heaven. How did he do that? Watch this. I'm going to give you five examples of what Jesus accomplished. Number one, 
Jesus cleared sin of the past. He lifted up the rug and vacuumed under it. Everything that was put on the IOU basis, everything that was atoned for, he vacuumed it. It meaning that he cleared sins all the way past, in the present, and all the way forward. He cleaned it all, one time. So everyone that was a saint in the past was waiting. They were waiting. They were waiting, and Jesus got it handled. Their sin had never been fully removed till Jesus Christ died for their sins on that cross, and he handled all of it in the past, in the present, in the future. Number two, he launched kingdom living right here, right now. In other words, when you get saved, your eternal life starts now. It does not start when you die. You are now automatically connected to heaven. Jesus lived an example of a life of what it looks like to have downloads from God, interactions with God. He was moving in such a clean, pure conduit way. He demonstrated what purified humanity looks like. He showed how we ought to to live, and he kicked off that we have a new reality right here, right now. Number three, he secured a glory in the future. He changed it. He said, because I lay my life down and I take it back up again, I'm in charge. I have the keys to death and hell. I'm the one that's in charge of who lives and who dies. If I get back up, you get back up. That's how it works. Your resurrection is tied to my resurrection. Therefore, death no longer has a sting, no longer has a fear. Why? You simply transform from glory of eternal life in this form to eternal life into that form. You merely walk through a doorway. Amen? Number four, he altered the underworld. What? What are you talking about? Altered the underworld. That's kind of creepy. Well, hold on. Jesus died on a Friday, rose on a Sunday. There's a Saturday in there. Now, Friday to Saturday was about the rest, right? But do you understand that Jesus on the way down took care of some really important things? What did he do? Anybody ever heard the phrase Sheol? It says that Jesus Christ descended down into Sheol. Sheol is also known as Hades. The way that it works is that there was two sections of Sheol, two sections of the grave. If you were righteous, you went where Abraham went. You went where King David went. That was called paradise. It was a temporary holding location until sin could really be taken care of. As a matter of fact, Jesus told a parable about a rich man and Lazarus and said on one side of the chasm was Abraham's side. The other side was a place of torment. What is the other side called? Hell. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he descended down into the grave and did what? He proclaimed victory and said, hey, everyone, let's be real clear. It's done. Everyone on Team Paradise, you're on my side. Let's go. We don't need to be here anymore. I took care of everything that you had waiting on your account. I cleared it out. Let's go see our dad. Let's go. Everybody rose with him, and they all, he led captives in his train, the Bible says, and took them right up to heaven. It is why now there is no more temporary holding location. He emptied it out completely. So now to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Now we talk about heaven heaven and hell. Why? Because the temporary hell location is still in play. You go, I thought hell was eternal. You are incorrect. Hell gets emptied out into the lake of fire. Lake of fire is actually the eternal place of torment, not the temporary location. What's the point? In one fell swoop, Jesus went down and shook the entire grave and underworld, turned it upside down, and set his people free. Man. Number five, Jesus secured the judgment of his enemies. When he got back up and reigns as King Jesus, he went to the right hand of his father and he started putting his enemies under his feet. As a matter of fact, you know he has never held accountable the devil and his angels. They're still moving. They're still free. You think that's going to be the case all the time? Nope. He said, I'm still using you. The minute I'm done with you, you're done. As a matter of fact, I'm going to bring my children up with me. They're going to sit with me at the judgment seat. And because they chose me like you didn't, demons, they stand in judgment of you. As a matter of fact, they're on my team. We stand and we say, how dare you turn your back on a holy and righteous God? You saw God with your own pure eyes and you still chose something else. Well, these children didn't. These children loved me and they couldn't even see me. 
How embarrassing for you. Go to your eternal dwelling place. For the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels. Any people that go there are people that ultimately want their own way and they don't want God. Can I have the prayer team come on up here? How do we know all this? Special revelation. I read it. It's in the book. Right? We didn't have to know this. So why does God tell us this special information? Well, it's easy. When my girls were little, Susie and I, as parents, we noticed that sometimes they were a little worried when we left them, let's say, at church. So here's what we would do. And you as parents probably do the same thing, that you're now going to drop them off at their classroom, and they're nervous. So what do you do? You get down on their level, and you say words like this. Hey, honey, hold on. Mom and dad, we're actually going to go right over to the big people church. We're right across the hallway, and we're going to be back in a little bit. But Miss Carrie, she's going to take care of you. And look, you have all your friends, right? So I want you to go play, and I'll be back in a short amount of time, and I'll pick you up, and then we're going to go do something fun, okay? Isn't that how it normally goes? You think God did anything different? Hey, kids, come here for a second. I got to go away real quick. I have to go away for a little while. But that's okay because, look, you got all your friends. And as a matter of fact, I'm right there. And you know what? Mr. Holy Spirit's going to watch over you. That you know what? He'll take care of any concerns that you have. You just have to ask him and he'll get a hold of me if there's really a problem. But to be honest with you, he's just as capable as I am. So I'm going to come back. And when I come back, we're going to go have some fun. Is that okay? Amen? You see, God's talking a lot. Isn't he personal? Isn't he connective? Wow. All this interaction. Hmm. What a wonderful God to praise. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and then the altar's going to be open. If you want to know how it is to become a Christian... Man, they would love to answer that question for you. Today's a beautiful day to start a new life. Start that eternal life right now. If you have any prayer needs, by all means, they're here for that. They prepped and ready to go. So let me just close in prayer and we'll, we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, you have done all things and you've been so nice and so kind to us as your kids. Lord, somehow we get our head all messed up about other things and we start saying stuff about you that's not true. But today, while our heads are clear, we want to thank you. Thank you for being so sweet. Thank you for being so connective. Thank you for talking to us more than we deserve. We praise you. God, I pray that you would just pour out on all of our hearts a drive and desire to know you more. That every day we are driven to be closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.